Will you please pray with me? O oh God, my God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations on all of our hearts be worthy in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Harry Potter was a highly unusual boy in many ways. In a hole in a ground, in the ground, there lived a hobbit. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. All good stories open with a line that pulls the viewer into the world and explains the situation of the world. You may not know anything about Star Wars, but from the opening line, at least you know it's in space and it's far, far away from Earth. It opens you up immediately to an escape, something to get away from your daily life where normal things are happening. The same thing happens with the opening line of The Hobbit. We may not know what a hobbit is or why it lives in the ground, but it reminds us of the start of a fairy tale that opens us up to a world that is like ours, but so very different, filled with magic and fantastic creatures. If we're going to talk about Advent, the coming of our Savior, it fits to discuss an opening. How did we get to where we are? The last chapter of the Old Testament in our Bibles ends about 400 years before Jesus' life. And the first gospel to be written, the Gospel of Mark, jumps right in with Jesus' baptism. What has happened to Judea since they were freed from the Babylonian exile? The Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't have a nice opening line to reintroduce us to the world, probably because the people it was originally written for would have known all of that already. Later Gospels, like Matthew and Luke, would come along and fill in Jesus' beginnings, but it still doesn't tell us anything about Israel and the state of the world. It leaves us with a question. Why now? What is so important about this particular generation? What we now mark as the beginning of our common era, that the Savior of Earth would appear in such a time and such a place. What makes this time different from all the others that marks this as the time that God should come to the world? We need an opening 
some sort of context to help us understand the world and the state it is in. And so I hope you're ready for a history lesson because I'm going to tell you all that. After the Jewish people returned to Judah, after being released from Babylon, they began to rebuild. New walls were built around Jerusalem, and slowly a new kingdom began. Persia allowed people to follow their own religion and even have their own rulers as long as they showed respect and gave money to the Persian Empire. Judah was nearly its own nation again after generations of being exiled from their homeland. The nation existed this way for quite some time. For hundreds of years, Judah simply existed, being a supply point between major nations like Egypt. While the world stage changed, life in Israel probably didn't change very much from day to day. They still had their own king and were able to worship as they pleased. Even when Judah changed hands from empire to empire, they revolted when the empire that owned them got too controlling. They even revolted successfully once, the Maccabean Revolt, and became an independent nation. No one controlled them any longer. They were a nation unto their own, and it seemed like all of God's promises to the nation were coming true. This didn't last, though. A hundred years of independence, things changed majorly. The Roman Empire came and invaded Israel 30 years before Jesus' birth. The Romans killed the then king and installed their own loyal leader, Herod the Great, the father of the Herod who killed John the Baptist. Judah became a vassal state under control of Rome. This is where we get the attitudes that run through the New Testament. Imagine if some foreign nation came into the United States and installed a puppet leader in place of our president. There would be riots, civil upheaval, revolutions. People would be angry that their independence and the right to self-rule had been taken from them. That's exactly what happened in Judah. Civil unrest was common, and armed revolutions were stopped only by the brutality of the Roman centurions and the punishment of crucifixion. Even if the Roman Empire was considered peaceful for the time, the peace was maintained by force. Legions the military for Rome could come into an area and destroy it for turning against Roman rule. This actually did happen 
40 years after Jesus' death, where Jerusalem was sacked and the temple destroyed for a second time, where it still remains destroyed today. With increased taxes, control over your government by an outside force, and the potential for your way of life to be destroyed by an invasion at any moment, the people of Judah felt terrified and enraged. In the past, it had always been believed that God protected the people. So why did God allow this now? Our reading from Psalm 80 might help us understand more the feelings of the people of Judah. Psalm 80 is a supplication psalm. The author asks God to listen and asks why God is mad at the people, showing the hardships that the people are going through. How long will you be angry with your people? You have fed them with bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. The second part of the psalm reminds God of God's promise. They say, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Essentially, the author is reminding God of what is at stake. The third part is asking God for forgiveness, promising loyalty, and asking for God to punish the ones who have done this. They have burned the vine with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your continents. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. After a hundred years of being an independent nation, the Jewish people again felt like slaves in Egypt under Rome. They had no way to shake off the vast empire that used force to dominate them. Revolutions and uprisings had ended with leaders and participants on the cross. It felt like the only place that they could turn was to God. The Romans had largely left their religion alone, as long as it respected the, the authority of their rulers. But it would only take a push for Rome to tear down the temple, the holiest place on earth. So the people looked to the coming Messiah, hoping that this person would bring an end to their oppression. They hoped this new leader and prophet would be a king that would retake the throne from Rome. Perhaps it would even be God who came down and enacted vengeance on Rome for the Jewish people. Maybe it would even bring about a messianic age where all nations and the world of creation would be at peace, a heaven on earth. This 
is the time that Jesus was born into. A time of expectation, of freedom from political domination. A time of watching and waiting for God's actions in the world. The Jewish people were hoping for God to come and rescue them once again from their enslavement. Jesus showed up and offered them freedom. Not freedom from their political captivity, but captivity from sin. The believers in Christ went out into the world, not seeking to free people from Rome, but to bring everyone together. There was no longer Roman or Jew, slave or master, but siblinghood in God through Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't free the Jewish people from Rome in a political uprising, but freed them from their hatred of one another. Ironically, Christianity would eventually become the default religion for Rome. Conquering and freedom were not brought through violence and fear, but through love and brotherhood. This period of tension, of civil unrest, is what Jesus was born into. While history has its share of uprisings and empires, this one was timed during the perfect storm of political upheaval and connections across Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia, allowing for the spread of God's message of love around the known world. Jesus grew up seeing the political corruption of religious leaders and the, the inequality between the rich and the poor and the racial strife between Jewish people and others like Samaritans that were considered outsiders. All these events set the stage for the coming of the Messiah, the one who would free not just the Jewish people, but people from all nations and reconcile them with God. Not through the law or through military might, but through his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. We begin our own Advent season recognizing the tension in our own world and hoping that Christ will return soon in victory and in love. Amen.